Hey everyone, for those of you just tuning in, we are presenting part two of a conversation about Godzilla on home video that I did with the Mazer Patrol podcast uh, with Kevin Derendorf and Justin Mullis. So this is the second part. So this is our review and our deep dive into the Criterion Collection box set, the history of that set, and what it offers. And then we also talk about the big news of Ultraman coming to Blu-ray from Mill Creek and some talk about those releases as well. And we hope you enjoy. So yeah, I think now now is a proper time to kind of go over, I guess, what, I don't know, we can say the making yeah. of the Criterion set, and I guess, probably I guess we'll all kind of give like a little review of it. Um, so, uh, shortly after G-Fest, the announcement was made like, hey, this box is coming out, Um and then just just like slowly, uh, the rumor mill again is starting to pep up about what is and is not included. So I mean, I'll I'll start by saying what is I'll I guess answering that very question. Um, so what is on here? Um, so we have all fifteen movies. Um, we have Criterion's own transfers of Godzilla and its American version, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, that they did a few years ago. And then all the other movies, um, we have uh, not Criterion's transfers. So um, that's one thing that we're lacking is um, usually, not always, I mean, like the Zatuichi set, Justin always brings up as an example, but usually Criterion's thing and like why it's such a big deal when someone gets a criteria, when Criterion gets a title is because they really value giving the very best presentation possible. So they go back to the most pure elements they can find, any prints, the any original uh, camera negative elements, and they meticulously go through and clean it up to the very best of their ability. And there's very few companies that churn out that quality of work um, that Criterion puts in. Um, so they were not able to do that with any of the other Godzilla movies, and... Um, uh, and then also, of course, we have both versions of King Kong versus Godzilla. Now, from uh, what I understand, um, 
they they had to sublicense the American version from Universal, and then uh, they had to go to Toho for the Japanese version. Toho, uh, I believe, has always had that version, and the reason it hasn't come out here is like, you know, when Universal always put that movie out, they never cared enough to be like, oh, here's the Japanese version that we have to go and pay Toho for. They just didn't see the value in that. Uh, luckily, someone at Criterion did. Um. So that's what's on there as far as uh, transfer-wise, um, and we will get into that um, and why uh, why it is, in my opinion, a little bit of a, a disappointment. Now, another thing that well, is well, big... To, to emphasize, those are the transfers that I mentioned earlier, yes. the ones that Toho made between... 2008 and 2014. And the advancements in the technology in those years is insane. And that is going to show with the, I guess, uh, the quality of this set is not consistent. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now, just so I can kind of get through the rest of this. But um, uh, so we have both versions of King Kong versus Godzilla, finally. Um, because of legal kind of things, um, Criterion had to throw the Japanese version onto the special features thing. Um, and I, I think that's really, like I said, related to legalities, kind of like, um, I guess the example I'll give is uh, Justin and Kevin, you guys were there, um, at, uh, G Fest when they showed like a sizzle reel for the short film, Howl Beyond the Fog. And then the Q and A people were asking like, is there any way we can get the foghorn on blue? Ray, I mean, like, because Ray Bradbury's estate had shut that short film down completely. And they said there's a chance we might be able to get it on a disc if we include it as a bonus feature and not something that's, like, promoted outwardly. And I think that's kind of what happened here a little bit. Um, anyhow, uh, so we don't have brand new transfers, which is, like, I, I mean, especially if you've seen the old Toho ones, like, I, that was a bummer to me. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, and again, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the other big thing is that um, the American cuts, aside from King Kong versus Godzilla, the American cuts of all these films are absent. Um, now, uh, Monster Zero, um, and then uh, this, and then um, uh, Megalon and the two Mechagodzillas have dubs. So do um, Son of Godzilla and Destroy All Monsters. Yeah. Um, and they are the international dubs. In the case of Monster Zero, that's not a bad thing because that dub is really good. Now, Destroy All Monsters and Son of Godzilla, those are pretty terrible, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. But the uh, the 70s dubs, I, I like. Um, and that's the ones that we grew up with. Now, uh, so the AIP versions of, uh, you know, Monster Zero, Mothra vs. Godzilla, um, the continental version of uh, Ghidorah, um, the what I love, the Gigan dub, um, the uh, American uh, version of Godzilla's Revenge, um, uh, that's the, the Gigantus, the fire monster, that's, that's all gone. Um, the, the American... The AIP American version of Mothra vs. Godzilla, Godzilla vs. The Thing, which actually features additional special effects footage. A that whole Toho other Godzilla. Shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hedera. I mean, uh, the AIP dub's not there. The international dub's not there. Um, sea Monster doesn't even have the international dub. 
Um, so yeah, the three Kraken movies that Kraken put out don't have dubs either. Um, so I mean, that was a bummer, uh, especially for um, guys like myself and some of our other friends who have uh, really young kids. Um, I mean, these are movies that people get into these movies when they're three, four years old, and you know they're not always going to be able to watch subtitles and uh one of our buddy tom is going through the misery of having to narrate every ultraman episode to his son <laughs> and i like so i get why i mean look it's just, it's just with, having to do like they did in japan back in the day <laughs> right the yeah benchy. but uh, yeah the benchies yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh i mean so it it's a bummer on that level and more i mean i guess we'll kind of talk about that when we kind of give a, a more fan uh, we're all i think going to be very fair about what we have to say about this set in the long run uh so before i'm not going to get too hung up on my opinions because i know we'll be able to explain them later but basically the why of that um now uh it we mentioned the Subaraya Chayo stuff earlier um, and how, and I think this is part of a similarity there a little bit, um, is uh, what I know, and I know this from talking to people that were involved with this set or approached by Criterion because they're collectors and they were asked about certain elements. I'm not going to name names. I mean, if you're going to go back and try and listen to who we already talked about, I can tell you it's, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't believe it's anyone that we've mentioned by name here, but it's people that I trust, people that um, have no reason to lie, people that are reputable, and basically the behind the scenes of why this set is the way it is, um, there's as far as the American versions go and the dubs, um, it, it's really kind of, uh, a, a little bit of a cultural barrier. And from what I've been told about people from people who have worked with Toho quite a bit, is the one thing that they don't like to hear, especially their legal team, is in America, it's done like this. You know, they want it very, every like they just, maybe they feel like it's the safest, maybe they don't have people that are uh, that are very um, fluent in, in the differences, but they they don't want to be told that. And, and, and the way it goes with a lot of those dubs um, here, you know, the, the dub actors, they go in, they put in the work, they cash their check, and that's it for a lot of them. Now, in Japan, someone goes in and does a dub, and there's all these, like, they're owed royalties and all this and that, and so it's not uncommon over there for someone to step up and say, like, hey, I'm this guy, or I'm part of this guy's estate, and you owe me for this, and and. With a lot with these, that's really not something that can happen because of how it's done here. Um, they don't want to hear that. So that's why there's all these international dubs, but there's no like AIP dubs or anything like that. they're They're very kind of paranoid and scared that some dub actor's great grandson is gonna come up and say, "Hey, you owe me seventy five cents in royalties or something. Um, so that's why those aren't there. Now, the question that, uh, you may be asking is, well, why were Scimitar, Classic Media, and et cetera, et cetera, take your pick of anyone that had released these movies previously, Paramount, whatever, 
why were they able to do it and suddenly we can't? And, and, and the reason for that is those were those releases were done here by their rights holders. Now, after Classic Media's releases went out of print, the rights to those versions reverted to Toho. And so they, in other words, those were being put out by people that knew what they were doing. And now they're in the hands of people that really don't understand the international differences in how those things work. And they don't want to be told that either. I, like I said, they don't want to be told in America, it's done this way. They, they don't want to hear it. It's look, this is how we do things. This is what you're getting. And so that's why uh, a lot of those things are gone now. Um, the kind of mystery, and I've heard conflicting reports, the kind of mystery over why aren't the three international dubs from the Kraken releases on there. I've been told uh, by fans and stuff that those releases are out of print. And then I've also been told this is by an individual that is kind of in the know with folks that were that made this set that Kraken still has the those the the rights to those films. And if the discs are out of print, I'm wondering if maybe Kraken still has some kind of streaming rights over the, over those or at least those dubs. But there's definitely a Toho-imposed reason why those aren't there. And I, it's no coincidence that it's the three Kraken uh, discs. Um, and so that's why the dubs and the alternate American versions aren't on there. And um, I guess, like, I, I understand fans that might not be interested in those things. I do. A lot of people want to see, okay, this is the Japanese version, this is the original cut, the original whatever, but it's like, that is... Con Criterion's whole thing, like you guys said earlier, is like, not only do they want to give you the movie, they want to educate you about the movie. And those American versions, whether it's the AIP versions or just those dubs, I mean... That's how they were marketed internationally. Those are the versions that screened in a ton of area of, of markets. Um, those are the versions that got us talking about this. Those are the versions that we show our kids. Those are the versions that kind of made us who we are. Whether your adult self um, prefers that or the Japanese version, like whatever, but. The fact that it's missing from this, and it's such a huge part of these, the history of these movies, and the and is and they're not there anymore. I mean, that's a that is unfortunate. Um, so, like this might this chances are this is going to be the last home video physical media release we're getting of these movies. So to not have those on there. And have those versions basically be extinct in George Lucas by Toho, where they just sit on them and they're afraid to ever put them out, is really kind of awful. Um, and like I said, you can pref you if you, if you don't care that they're not on here, I'm not attacking you. What I'm saying is that just for the purpose of educating people about these movies and the context in which they came out, not having them there is a huge thing that's missing. Um, so that's my spiel about the dubs, the American versions. Now, with the transfers, um, uh, so this is going to tie into what Justin was saying about the 4K project and everything. Um, they, that's another one where Toho is like, you're going to take our old ones. 
we have or are working on new ones, but we we don't want you to have those. Now, the reason for that is they don't want Criterion to release a superior version or a version that's on par with what they're working on right now and have people in Japan import this instead of buying Toho's product, um, which I, I don't know. I'm not a marketing guy in Japan. I'm not a sales numbers runner. I'm not a bean counter I don't know. I, I can talk to that a little bit, um, okay. because it's it's basically uh, the issue is, and this is, you know, a, a lot fewer Japanese releases have been coming out of of sort of mainstream Japanese movies lately, and part of it, you know, for for certain releases, uh, is there's there's this issue of. Uh, reverse importation, and that's Blu-ray is the same region code in Japan as it is in the States. Yep. Uh, this is not what it was on DVD, and uh, that made it a little easier for American companies to work for DVD releases than they would for Blu-ray releases. Japan has never really gotten away from the video rental market. Like, the, the U.S. sort of went from the rental market to the home collector's market. Japan still has a thriving rental community, and because of that, it prices physical media for the rental market. That means a disc is going to cost you like 50 bucks. So yeah, it's kind of like of if, that, you, if you're old enough to remember, like when VHS first came out, and like to buy a tape, it was like 150 bucks. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's why they are insistent that Criterion use those transfers. Um, and at this rate, who knows when, like, the 50, Godzilla 54 and King Kong versus Godzilla, those 4K cleanups Toho's do, been doing, those have been finished for years, and they've been aired on Japanese TV. Why they aren't releasing them as they're being completed, I have no idea. Uh, it's well, we, baffling. we definitely know that the 54 has been um, completed since around 2000. 14 i don't know when did they start on king kong uh, i think king kong that had to have aired 2015 think, yeah 16 like maybe but 16 is what i remember yeah and um and i mean like i don't know why they aren't putting those out but but that does line up like especially with criterion um because Similar thing with Seven Samurai. Toho were doing their own Seven Samurai Blu-ray. Criterion were doing the... They were giving it the Criterion treatment. I mean, of course, it's Seven Samurai. But Toho, like, saw what they were doing, and they were like, uh, can you guys, like, delay this and, like, not put it out until after we put out our version? Because they're like, yeah, they're going the full mile with this, and we're being Toho about it. And, like, you guys can release it, but let us, like, get our piece first. Um... And so, like, they were playing games with them about that. Basically, like, we see that your release is better, and we don't want people to import it instead of buying ours. So, like, sit on it for a little bit. Um, to, but to that, that, that effect, wasn't... To that effect, Kyle, I mean, because you just said, I mean, they were being Toho about it. Because this is something I don't know, and I'm curious about it, and I don't know if you have insight into this. I mean, why did it take from 2008 to, like, 2014 for them to even do the HD remasters for those films. I mean, is this I just an know. issue? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, like, I that it's completely baffling how they are, like, handling their films. And, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, these guys have a record of, like, having kind of lazy, like, treatment of their own stuff. Um, well, I think they have so, a yes. back catalog that 
you know, we, we tend to only think of the Tokusatsu stuff, and that's, yeah. that's a that's a sliver of their business model. So that's, you know, their 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 bread and butter in the movie business yeah. in general is is more the the recent releases and then distributed mm-hmm. stuff and and going to the to the back catalog. That's why they uh, are a little asleep at the wheel. And yeah, yeah like the the two thousand eight transfers were not good when they came out. Yeah, I, when when those came out, I remember people like complaining about them, and we'll we'll get into like why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, they they are very lazy when it comes to their their own cottage industry, I guess you could say. Um, and so the I guess well, I guess now is as good a time and, as any. Yeah. Uh, uh, the 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 other thing was King Kong versus Godzilla was yeah. lost. So that's so uh, it, yeah. The problem now, the problem with King Kong versus Godzilla is for years, like reels of the the element the like the original elements for that were like missing. So that's why if you've seen Toho's old Blu-ray and now Criterion's version of the Japanese cut of King Kong versus Godzilla, like it'll look fine and then like it'll switch over to like these scenes that are sourced from Laserdisc. Because that's like literally the only place it survived, and it looks like suddenly someone like wiped Vaseline all over your TV. Now, when to- now those elements, sort of ironically, after that Blu-ray came out, shortly after that came out, those uh, elements were found. You know, and I mean things like that happen. How how often have people been finding like new? scenes from metropolis and the lost world like that happens a lot and so they found those and then they use though that for their 4k which if you've seen it it is out there but it is beautiful and like seeing it next to the version we have in this set which is identical to toe's previous version it's like it's heartbreaking <laughs> um and so yeah this really was a case of like look toho is they're gonna give you what they're gonna either put out what they give you or don't put it out at all. And Criterion, they're like, okay, well, this was already our much-hyped thousandth spine. You know, we're in the middle of a time where Godzilla is, I guess, even though the last movie didn't do so well, is in the mainstream consciousness a little bit. And it's like, we have to do it. Like We have to do it now. And Toho were like, well, you're getting what you're going to get. And I know from again, reliable, reputable sources that Criterion didn't, you know, they they kind of learned all of Toho's roadblocks as they were going along. I I know that there are private collectors that they've that they approached like saying like, hey, we we hear you have an awesome print of Godzilla versus the thing. Like, would you mind us, you know, using that for our Blu-ray? And I think the that was I think the last thing that Toho cut, like they were like pretty sure they were going to be able to get Godzilla versus the thing. They couldn't. Um, so they were reaching out and I know for a fact that criterion were willing to put in the work of restoring these movies, both the Japanese versions and the American versions. Like I said, though, for the reasons we already stated that was completely axed by Toho and we get what we get. And, um, I'm not, I don't want to get too ahead of myself with like my actual opinions. I've, probably broadcast enough of that right now but that is the set and why it is the way it is and uh that's that 
I mean, we we kind of have to live with it at this point, uh, for better or worse. So so kind of going into, I guess, sort of the worst. I mean, I feel like we should go ahead and probably talk about like, I mean, yeah, I, I also what, think just what, getting what what, what 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 is the problem with Toho's masters? Yeah, and and I I like where you're thinking there too, Justin, because it's like. I really do want to like end this on a positive, you know, I don't want to just come out and bitch and just be done. Like I want to end with the good stuff. So yeah, um, there is I, a silver lining. Yeah. So, I mean, there are legitimate like cultural and film history and just, there's a bunch of reasons why the not having those American versions is a loss. And like I said, you can feel free to not care about that. But in the bigger scheme of things, and in pe- in the in the minds of people outside of yourselves, like those do matter a lot to people. And I I will say personally, like for me, honestly, it's like I don't like this with this particular set. Like at, from from the perspective of like a film historian and and just like Godzilla completist sort of nerd, I would love to have like all these different dubs and all these different American cuts. I think that having this set with it just being the films in Japanese with English subtitles as they were originally done is something that I'm personally completely able to live with and I think is is fine. The only one of these films that I'm upset that we don't have the American cut for is Godzilla versus the thing. Right. Of course, I, w- yep. I would take Godzilla versus the thing over even King of the Monsters and um, the, the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla, because with both of those, all you're really dealing with is sort of just American kind of, you know, reordering and, and, and insertion of, yeah. of white actors and stuff. Whereas the main thing about Godzilla versus the thing is that that is literally the same film that Toho made just dubbed into English. And it was a good dub and additional special effects footage that Eiji Tsuburaya shot. Yeah. So, and like, that's, that's what hurts for me because like, and, and I think any Godzilla fan, honestly, you know, should should want Godzilla versus the thing, if for no other reason than to just see Subaraya's additional effects mm-hmm. footage. Yeah. So. But even as someone that like you personally don't care, you like you see why those other versions are important, you know? Oh yeah. Well I mean well and, personally I do care. I'm just saying that like in at the end, like, you know, I mean I well all three of us, by the way, I mean we haven't said it, but just so everybody listening knows, all three of us have bought this set. Yes, <laughs> we're not we're not sitting here just grousing about something that we don't. Yes. Oh, and, uh, and, 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 and if anyone out there thinks, oh, he's just being a grouch, blah, blah. I pre-ordered this before all you cheapskates waited for the Barnes and Noble <laughs> sale. OK, so I put my money where my mouth is. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, enough about the, the other versions, like getting into the nitty gritty of the transfers. Right. Like I said, that's a th- bigger deal, I think. Like I said, 2008 to 2014, like the advancements in how Blu-rays and film restoring and all that stuff was done, it, it, like it is insane. So you're dealing with like. I, I don't know the timeline for those transfers, but I'm assuming the ones in here that don't look so hot 
are probably the earliest ones. I'm not saying that as a fact, but um, oh, anyway. Those are, the, those are the more popular ones, so it follows that they would be the first ones to yeah. go to market. So anyway, the problem with them is even at the time they came out, like they like weren't too well received is in terms of AV quality. And uh, the biggest trend that I'm seeing is um, the video is very soft. Um, like if you're used to watching Blu-rays and like you suddenly put a DVD in your Blu-ray player and it's like that looks like a DVD only a little better because Blu-ray players, a lot of them automatically upscale the DVD a little bit. Um, that's how a lot of these movies look. Um, and there's 15 movies in here. I would honestly say about five of them look great. About five of them look good. And about five of them look bad. Um, and like, for example, Mothra versus Godzilla and monsters, monster zero, especially like those two movies look like DVDs. I'm, I'm just going to say it. You know, they do not look like Blu-rays. If they look like Blu-rays, they look like very primitive early versions, which they may be. Like I said, I don't know the timetable of these releases, but they don't look very good. I'm, I, I'm, I would, Having looked at both of those on this set, I will I will agree that Monster Zero, I don't think, looks any better than the classic media DVD. Yeah, it's, I think Mothra looks a little bit better than the classic media dvd but it's ruined by the thing that you haven't mentioned yet oh yeah the fact that yeah it's just the fact that um a (laughs) bunch of these films and for some reason all three of the ones which are on disc three which are mothra versus godzilla ghidra and monster zero are not and and correct me if i'm wrong about this kyle because you know the terminology better than i do but this is a matting problem isn't it yeah so to, to bring my like my film school nerdness into this so I don't I don't know that everyone's had this experience, but I know a lot of people have. If you if you've ever and Justin, you worked at a movie theater, so you you yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever gone to see a movie, I mean, say like, oh, I'm gonna go get one for Doctor Sleep, and you sit down to watch it, and like, you notice like a boom mics or stage lights towards the st- top of the screen. Like, I've, most movies will have that in their video information is what they call it. Anything that's on the screen is video information. And it's a projectionist job to, it's called matting. It's, it's a projectionist job to frame the picture to the proper aspect ratio. Um, and to cut all that stuff out that, that extra information is there. So the projectionist can get it, get the picture proper. And that and in in the uh, 80s and 90s, because VHS was so big and we were still in the days of the square um, tube TVs, they started making movies actually like to not have that. So like if I if I were to put aliens in on VHS, I wouldn't see that because it was intentionally filmed with extra information that could be easily matted out. Um, The first Evil Dead when you buy that disc, there's two versions. There's a matted version and an unmatted version. They and they both played in theaters that way. So, but it does it, it does still happen, especially now that things are always like widescreen again. Like nobody has like a square TV under like the age of like ninety. Um, but yeah, so that that's if video information that's intentionally 
matted out. And I guess I, in a layman's term, I guess you could say cropped out, but it's supposed to be cropped out. So the problem with these transfers, and, and this is a complaint that happened when Toll released them in Japan too, is like they there's certain scenes um i think the famous screen grab that's floating around the internet right now is son of godzilla when godzilla is fighting the kamakuras uh for the first time there you see the top of the set in the stage lights and that is not how the movie was shown it's not supposed to be there i saw that movie in a brand new 35 millimeter print at the detroit institute of arts probably around a decade ago and it's not there. It was not there. I would have noticed. You cannot. You cannot not notice. I mean, um, it's 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 not like it's con- for anybody that hasn't got into the theater hasn't seen it. It's not like constant throughout the whole fight. Like it doesn't right. look like yeah, Godzilla's it, yeah. fighting on a set. But there's one particular shot where Godzilla um, basically does like a judo throw on a Kamakuras, which is giant yeah. praying mantis, and the camera like pulls out. To get this shot of him, you know, tossing this thing head over, you know, thorax. And it's like a it's it's admittedly like a blink and you miss it. But especially if you're like us and you've watched these movies, God knows how many times. The first time I watched that, I immediately saw it because I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, that's not supposed to be that is. Yes, there's stuff like that there. Now, the bigger problem, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with those three movies um, uh, that Justin mentioned, but a lot yeah, no, it's most prevalent in those three, but it's also scattered throughout a lot of these. Like, Son of Godzilla has it, but to a lesser degree. Hedera has it, but to a a lesser degree, less frequent. But, uh, oh God, especially with Monster Zero and Mothra and, and... like at the bottom of the screen, almost every time the camera cuts, you see like this weird bright line at the bottom of the frame and sometimes at the top. And what that is, is that is literally the splice in the film strip. So where the film was glued in the editing process uh, for those youngsters out there, film was actually manually cut and glued in editing, not like today with our fancy uh, digital stuff. And again, that's something that that is extra video information that should have been matted out. So if you're following, that's not supposed to be there is what I'm saying. And, you and know, it's noticeable because if you've seen these movies before, like the classic media DVDs or the Sony DVDs or hell, even like the VHSs, You've never seen this before. I mean, I've watched Mothra versus Godzilla multiple times, and I put in this Criterion disc, and it's and again, this isn't like with the the bad matting on Son of Godzilla, where it's a sort of blink and you miss it thing. This was like as soon as I put in Mothra versus Godzilla and started watching it, it was just like I mean, at first I thought the film was scratched, but then it was just like I mean, it's it's this bright white line where it's. You can see the film splice and, you know, it goes by so fast and is so frequent. I mean, I didn't even make it through the whole movie. I stopped because I was annoying. I I was (laughs) like, I'm going to have a stroke. It's almost like a strobe light going off at the bottom, you know, because it's just like every time they change scene. So uh, so I started with uh, 
I, I'm going to piss you guys off and say Invasion of Astro Monster. Uh, I hate and... it. <laughs> Monster Zero. Uh, which is one of the more egregious ones. And because I started with that, it was in my head to, to look for it. And then, you know, when I went and watched Godzilla versus Megalon, which is the same transfer, like that's a problem that's on the Media Blasters disc as well. And I've, I've watched the Media Blasters disc a couple of times and it didn't particularly bother me then. But now it is bothering me because it's in, in, in the back of my head as always like, no, OK, I've got to look for the splices now. So, And you know what? Like, I don't know. This is kind of where we I, we. The, with the fan reaction to this set, I, I compared it to in, our, in like our Facebook chat to the Last Jedi, where it's like this is either the most amazing best Godzilla set ever, or it's like oh my god, it's the worst. Doesn't have the dubs, the transfers are crappy, blah blah blah. blah. And it's like if you're like me and you just kind of think like yeah, for what it is and what they were given, it's pretty good. It's okay. There's a lot of problems, but I'm glad to have it. I'm gonna enjoy it. Like that's where I am, and like. I'm like on a fence that on the both sides have equally annoying people screaming at each other. Um, but the, the people on the one side, on the love it side, like I've heard some very crazy things. And I, I mean, I, I think if, if I can do more, I guess, myth busting, if you want to say it, um, like when the, the, before the set came out and there were sites doing like comparison shots of like, okay, here's a shot from the criterion. Here's a shot from the Kraken or the Sony disc or whatever. And people are like, Oh wow. Look like the Sony disc is, uh, it's cropped. Like this one must be better. Cause that one's cropped. This one has more video. And it's like, yeah, there's a reason for that. That's because the Sony one is matted properly, and the other one is not. Um, and I mean, I've 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 heard people say like, the reason they use the Toho transfers is because like, they're just being true to how the movies are seen in Japan, man. And it's they like were the always that yellow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they always had this yellow tint over it. Um, and I mean, that's that is not. That that I'm sorry, that's not true. And I'm not trying to like again, I'm not attacking anyone that thinks this is the best set or the worst set. I'm just saying what is like I'm just being as factual as I can be about this. Um and I mean that that's the really unfortunate stuff. And another thing is like uh I know we can get into bonus features if you want, but I know Criterion wanted to kind of get everything. Like they wanted like the BFI stuff, the classic media stuff, um, bringing Godzilla down to size. Like they wanted all of that. And then, you know, Toho is just like, This is what you're getting, and like be happy with it. And and there is some new stuff in the bonus features, um that uh we can kind of talk about. I, I mean, I can just go through real quick and tell you, like, I, I, I real quick, I'm going to tell you what movies look good. Godzilla, 54, looks excellent. Criterion Transfer, good stuff. Godzilla Raids Again, looks great. King Kong vs. Godzilla, the universal, universal version, looks great. Uh, Japanese version uh, was the best they could do, but now, since the 4K is out there, it looks bad. Mothra vs. Godzilla, bad. Ghidorah, looks great. Astro Monster, to make Kevin happy, uh, is bad. Uh, sea Monster is okay. 
Son of Godzilla is actually pretty good, except for the splice marks and the stage lights. Destroy All Monsters, I think, is good. Godzilla's Revenge is good. Hedera is good. Gigan's good. Megalon is, like, stellar, which I think is, like, some kind of cosmic and cruel joke on all of us. <laughs> um, oddly enough, the sound is a little weirder. Um, like the classic or the media blaster is kind of had very clear sound in the dub and this one, it's kind of a little bit back to how it sounded on VHS with like a lot of the P pops, but whatever, it actually looks really good. Mechagodzilla looks between good and bad. Like Mechagodzilla is like on the fence because it does look a lot like the Sony DVD, but it's also a tad bit better. And then Terror looks good. So, I mean, it's, 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 this whole set is a mixed bag, basically. I'm not saying all, so clearly I don't think all of Toe's transfers are terrible. I'm not an all doom and gloom guy about this. I just wanted to, like, after my last, like, 10 minutes of bitching, I just wanted people to see, like, yeah, I am going to be fair about this. I'm going to tell you what's good in here. And Criterion, uh, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, they're, they're not, I mean, they're using Toho's transfers, but they're not using them right out of the box. They are doing some, like, level adjustment and things like that to make them look as good as they can with what they have. So that's also worth they, noting. They worked with what they were given, definitely. And I, I was going to say, um, you know, and, and for people who want to just watch these films in Japanese with English subtitles, obviously with Criterion, you know, they have professional in-house translators that they use. So you are getting really, really good subtitles with all of these. You are getting accurate subtitles to the Japanese dialogue. There is this thing that some people probably know about that you used to get on releases that are sometimes called dub titles where they're not actually (laughs) translations. They're just putting a subtitle on whatever the dub is saying. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. They basically just take the dub script and they might tweak it a little bit. They might not. And they just put that on there um, as kind of like faux subtitles, Um, you know, and, and, you know, you mentioned Mechagodzilla, you know, that, yeah, (laughs) it doesn't look a whole lot better than the Sony DVD, but the Sony DVD had terrible subtitles because apparently if you've never seen it before and it's understandable because it's out of print and has been for a long time but if you had the sony dvd or you have it you would know this but if you haven't seen it um i guess whoever was writing the subtitles for them couldn't figure out (laughs) yeah couldn't figure out some of the words and they just put in question marks and then left it like that so that's hilarious though yeah. I'm I'm very glad that that exists. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, have you guys at least previewed all the discs yet? Yeah, I've, I've sort have... of Oh, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I've 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 skipped around. I I haven't uh, you know, a, a couple of the movies I, I watched through, you know, Destroy All Monsters and and Terror of Mechagodzilla being some of my favorites, uh, but uh, you know, the actually the first disc I haven't bothered with because, you know, I so like you oh, you owned it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched 54 Godzilla because I had the original Criterion release. Um and uh and then the rest of them I've looked at I haven't looked at the American version of King Kong versus Godzilla. I looked at the Japanese version. Um I have watched chunks of all of them up through Godzilla's Revenge or All Monsters Attack. Okay. I haven't got into those last five yet and at some point i 
am going to sit down and watch all of these because I have a buddy who has never seen all these movies and wants to. And um, he hasn't bought this set because he just bought a house. So he has his money's going elsewhere. But uh, he's, he's more responsible than we are. Right. <laughs> but uh, he, um, yeah, we're, I'm supposed to go over and we're going to try and watch through all of these um, at some point. So at some point I will have watched all of them again. And I'm, I'm eager to revisit these movies as well. Not that, you know, I don't know them by heart, but, you know, hey, we're Godzilla. Pretty much, yeah, I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure they're imprinted in our DNA at this point. But Exactly. So. Um, uh, okay, so I guess the two big things to go next would probably be the packaging and art, or we can talk about the extras. I, I'd say let's go ahead and talk about the extras since we're on to disc content, and then we can talk about packaging and art. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, 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 my last note about the about the movies themselves yeah. is we finally have the speech bubbles in Godzilla vs. Guy. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, wait, also true. Wait, I, God, this is how like pathetic I am. With one of... One of the very first things I did the night I got this in the mail was put Godzilla vs. Gigan in and just watch the speech bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like well, it's 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 an integral part of the movie that we just have been uh, not provided with for so long in, in the states. You know, <laughs> it's it like honestly, like it, it, getting that was on par with getting the uh, Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla for me because it's just you know. And overall, I, I like Godzilla vs. Gigan more as a movie, which I know send your hate mail. Yeah, uh, but see, this is another like, because since that doesn't have the dub, I'm holding on to my old disc, and like I love that dub, and it's like I'm gonna have to decide to watch it with the dub or watch it with the speech bubbles. Like I might as well just jump out the window. It'll uh, it'll it'll be a it'll be a hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I probably will go back to that Kraken disc just because it's matted better. But then but, let's talk uh, about the special uh, features that are on these. Yeah, well, uh, the Godzilla is pretty much ported over the first right. one, so I don't know that we need to get into the, the like those features are old no. now. But the yeah. bonus features disc. Um, is, I, I think honestly, that's the selling point of the set. It's pretty darn cool. Like, if I, so, Criterion obviously couldn't do everything that they may have wanted with the films themselves, but they definitely went all out with the extras. So. Um, have you guys watched all of that stuff yet? Oh yeah. Okay. First thing. So I actually, I actually have not. Um, I okay. watched right. the the Honda interview. That was like the first thing I wanted to watch. So. Okay. Yeah. So there's um, an interview uh, uh, conducted by Yoshimitsu Bano with Ishiro Honda for the Directors Guild of Japan uh, from the early '90s. It's about an hour. Um, it's really uh, kind of about his early career and getting into film, and um, uh, th it's really cool. Um, and you know, just to finally get to like see something, like I've seen footage of Honda, but it's usually like not subtitled or whatever. Like it's it was cool to really like see an intimate conversation about his career. Um, that was a really good feature. I know it was referenced quite a bit um, when Ed and Steve were, were doing their book. Um, and then uh, we have uh, the that, and then the other selling point is the, uh, the documentary, uh, which was the unused tokusatsu uh, scenes documentary, um, which I actually had the, an old bootleg VHS, no translation, of course, just because it's like, 
it's like all unused scenes. Um, but that was really cool. And, um, it has interviews and like, uh, with that, with that was the direct- thing about that feature for me, which is cause like I'd seen some of that footage cause they run it like every year, like G fest too, like in one of the rooms, yeah. but like I'd never seen it subtitled or anything. So I didn't realize like this, re- it's not just like a montage of like, basically like special effects like bloopers or outtakes yeah, it's like, like an actual, actual documentary yeah they talked to nakano and honda and you know they explain why a scene might be cut and then um one of the cool things that like finally with the translation you get some context is like they'll show like uh like for instance they show a scene from uh Ghidra where it's uh like the destruction scene it's like here's like an edit that has all these like removed scenes and uh here it is with here it is there and then here it is in the final version or, or they'll be like here's a scene from uh latitude zero without all of the um uh composite shots like all the blue screen stuff added in like here it is and then here's the stuff with like the people added to the foreground and it's 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 really cool i i really enjoyed it so then uh, we also get a interview with um, uh, the actor, right, who played uh, Jet Jaguar. Yeah, and uh, I guess the there's three really short interviews. There's one with Ben Furuya, who before he played Ultraman was like basically an extra in a lot of these, and that's like how he got into acting. Um, that's about I think five, seven minutes, and there's an interview with Alex Cox who director of repo man is his claim to fame but uh in terms of godzilla he had a pitch for the american godzilla at one point uh he wrote um an arc in the dark horse comic book and he narrated um bringing godzilla down to size the documentary um he's just a cool director who is also a fan um and you know there's it's about five minutes of him just talking about how much he loves tokusatsu effects and like what he likes about the Godzilla franchise. And then there's another short interview. Yeah. The one with the, the actor that played jet Jaguar and those three interviews, they're, they're fun. They're nice to have, but honestly, I'm not sure that I learned much about that. Like the jet Jaguar one is just like the guy saying like, yeah, the suit was really hot. And like, I had a good time. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> very know? strange. Like, because that's basically his, his only role that, Jet Jaguar, and the, there are other suit actors that are still around. That how how they select him to be the the guy for this? Yeah. Those three interviews, like I guess Furuya is what might have been the best because I I don't know that a lot of people know that he really did anything before Ultraman, and he's like, yeah, I was this guy holding that helmet in Monster Zero, and it's like that's cool. Um, and then like Alex Cox, like I mean, I love Alex Cox, but like he says the same stuff about these movies that everyone does. Um so yeah, I'm not sure how necessary the shorter interviews are. They're fun, but I don't know how much you're gonna really learn. I think that Alex Cox's is is context for the criterion fan. You know, right. The, the yeah. People who are gonna pick up these because they didn't record new commentaries for any of the movies yeah. here. Yeah, so it's like uh, so, someone might pick this up and be like, oh, Godzilla, like, what? Isn't that that, like, cheap, like, like rubber monster? Oh, Alex Cox says it's cool. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. Like, <laughs> yeah, because for people who aren't in the know, that's actually like, that is this weird, I, I mean, it's sort of weird, it's sort of not strategy that 
Criterion does with a lot of their releases, where yeah, they get, have um, they'll Ty get a West. director or somebody, yeah, who's a fan. Yeah, I was about to say Ty it's Ty West, West who does it. House disc, and again, that's like five minutes of him just being like, "Yeah, this movie's really good." And it's like, "Yeah, okay." So yeah, but for the the Criterion release of the original animated Watership Down, they have Guillermo del Toro just being like, "This movie rocks," you know. So, um, I mean, I I I, I kind of like that because it's it's exposing you know, people to like, I guess, more contemporary filmmakers that may, they might like and like, you know, they, they might go back and, and check it out. I, I kind of like that. But yeah, you're not going to learn anything if you're like, you know, someone like us that have been watching these forever. People like Guillermo del Toro or like Quentin Tarantino you know, they're these directors, they're these contemporary directors who have these cult followings who themselves are also film nerds. And so they love to gush about what their favorite movies are yeah. that you've never seen. And that gets people to go watch them, you know. It works. I've done that before. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people watched Lady Snowblood because Quentin Tarantino said it influenced Kill Bill, right? right. And then uh, <laughs> and then um, we have a vintage uh, Akira Ifukube interview um that i really like there's a little bit of overlap between that and the one on the 54 disc but um yeah i mean it's cool but yeah i mean the the documentary and the honda interview and of course this being the first official u.s release of the japanese king kong versus godzilla even if it's an outdated transfer i mean that is that makes for a top-notch bonus disc everything else is basically gravy to me I have a couple weird observations about the uh, the liner notes. Okay, so the first one is like the silliest. So I'll start with that. So you know how Toho obsessively like list every like thing like that is trademarked. So like on the back of like a Son of Godzilla DVD, it's like each monster is trademarked here. You know about it? You know how they do that? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so in the trademark section, they have all the monsters, so I'm not going to read all the monsters off, but, like, uh, one of the things they say is trademarked is Godzilla and Katakana characters. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then another one they ha so have is uh, um, King of the Monsters is trademarked to Toho as well. I knew that. But Okay. Yeah, Godzilla and Katakana. Can they do that? That seems like yeah, when, I mean, that seems like Gene Simmons trying to copyright like the the devil sign or <laughs> or well, whatever. Well, I mean, it's it's still it's still they're they're copywriting the name Godzilla. It's just people are like, oh, I didn't write Godzilla in Romanji. I wrote it in Katakana. Therefore, I'm not violating a trademark. <laughs> like, well, what if I what if I want to use Godzilla and I put it in like Arabic or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, maybe that's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I think that it's definitely. I, well, I imagine that's also in part like because yeah, I mean you're right. I mean I've never seen that before on any release, and that's probably because of the fact that Legendary has used the katakana version of Godzilla as like a graphic on all of their stuff. Yeah, right. And like then the other I'm... thing that um 
uh, I haven't cross-referenced this with the 54 disc, but something that was interesting is, uh, so they have their About the Transfers thing, and since they did their own version of 54, it tells like how it was made. And it says, the high-definition digital transfer of Godzilla was created on a spirit data scene film scanner from a 35 millimeter fine grain master positive struck from the original camera negative which no longer exists hmm. well i've got my that, other blu-ray here uh, i mean I, but, I i i remember most of that i don't remember the specific thing about the original negative no longer existing so yeah i wonder what happened there it, but, it, uh, says, it says it on the uh the 2012 uh, um, disc as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of also... That kind of also builds our case. I mean, like if that if they were able to make that and that negative no longer exists, I mean, what if one day the negatives for like all these don't exist? Then we're stuck with this is the best, you know. So, I don't know that I if I'm interpreting that little blurb properly, then I mean I, I don't know. I mean, look, my point is film restoration and preservation is very important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder. I, I don't know because I don't know like what the process was. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. I don't know enough about. I mean, I know something about film restoration. I don't know enough because it's not something that I actively partake in. But um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if the process of of getting that transfer from the negative, you know, like murdered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm I'm thinking about like so you know I mean I'm pretty sure you and both of you guys own like the current blu-ray for like universal's dracula like the lugosi yeah. version from 31 right i mean if you watch the bonus feature on there about how they made that that new version for the blu-ray i mean it's crazy because they talk about like they literally had to like take the original negative and like dip it into like this liquid chemical so yeah was it like a nitrate like stock that like someone is it someone like sneezed on it? And it like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think also the the color Godzilla movies up till Destroy All Monsters, the original negatives were all cut up for the Champion Festival. So, mm. um, I mean, it would good be luck cool there. To have those on here, just saying. Yeah, that, that's that not would be cool. And those have been released a, in hey, Japan, I, so yeah, yeah, those are on the the Blu-rays that are in Japan. So. And Toho actually have really good transfers of the Champion cuts. I don't know why, you know, they couldn't maybe use those elements where possible. I don't know, but um, well, I think it would be too much work. That's I think that's the, the ultimate. Uh, be, I mean, the the reason why we have these sort of lousy transfers is because they did them quick and and dirty to begin with. So. I, I do think that's funny, though, going back to just the rights thing. We're just being nerds about this, that like because because of, of what you were saying, Kyle, is that, yeah, I mean, we have all of the different monsters like listed here just, you know, in in text. But then the only of the little, you know, icons that we get is Godzilla. Yeah. Did they just give up on those or? Yeah, I don't I don't know, because I mean, those like Toho is is like famous for those. Up. Like every other DVD I have has, or Blu-ray has, like all of those on it. I mean, it's it's like half it's the a, back of the packaging. The, yeah, the, I mean they're it, they're sort of a meme. I mean, the, the Kaiju Max has. has I was going to say, I was, they're well known enough that if anybody's reading Kaiju Max, I mean, they've parodied them in that book. So yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Uh, so um, I, I guess we we've, we've segued into talking about the uh, the the 
the packaging and and arch now so i guess we so, can... so did you guys read steve's essay in here yeah i i mean it it didn't I, I, my mind wasn't blown or anything it was just like oh, yeah. oh yeah no, no. it's all stuff that we've read before right. oh yeah i mean i know for us like you know but i mean i just thought it was really good i mean i just I yeah i mean for for anyone that's not familiar with these movies like these essays i mean to us, yeah, yeah to us it's stuff that we know and we've talked about but i mean they are really good at kind of contextualizing the franchise and the climate that each movie came out in and why they are each one like kind of is the way it is um, that is important yeah I will say, and I'm going to get this out of the way because honestly, I don't have much. I personally don't have much to say about it. The look, okay, all the bitching about the size of the box. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's big. It's kind of awkward. If you really care enough, you will find a place in your home where you can clear off a little bit of space on a desk or on a shelf, and you will put it there. Okay, so enough of the complaining and just deal with it is my attitude. And it took me all of five minutes to find a good place for it. That looked nice. Um, and then with the art, uh, I mean, some of it, I really like some of it. I'm not too thrilled with like one of these is like traced from an X plus toy. It's like, okay, whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, uh, overall, I like it. I think it's a really good presentation. And, I mean, I just think it speaks something to the fandom that the size of the box and the art inside is the majority of the complaints and not, you know, the lack of different versions or the transfers that Toho, I mean, Toho basically bullied Criterion into having, you know, this be the way it is. And the fact that that's not being talked about as much as this damn art or the size of this box is honestly, I think it's ridiculous. Um, this it's it's also one of those things i mean like because yeah i mean there are people who are so so for anybody that hasn't seen this yet i mean you can find pictures of it online and we'll probably stick them in the show notes and stuff you know i mean it's a big hardcover book and they've you know and basically you, you flip through it and each movie gets two pages and one of them is you know cast and credits part of it is cast and credits info and title and a short essay by ed godwicheski on the making of the movie. And then there's a big full page original piece of art for the film. And there are some people that don't like this. They they're angry about it. They think that like the original Japanese like theatrical posters or something should be in here. Again, this is, you know, I mean, this is something that Criterion does. They they do they've this. Been, they, yeah, they've always done this. They've they've always done this. I, I don't think Criterion has used a poster from a movie for the cover of a DVD or Blu-ray since maybe like the very, very beginning of, of their existence. They've, they've been doing this art thing for a long time. It's a, it's a hardcover book. That's the width of most magazine. But But yeah, yeah, as far as the size goes, I mean, move your 60 centimeter Sakai deforial X plus whatever <laughs> move that and put your Godzilla set there there I I fixed your life <laughs> to, to to continue uh complaining about people complaining uh 
everyone who's concerned <laughs> about like, oh, these these are these are in paper sleeves, they're gonna get scratched up. Like a a Blu-ray is not gonna get scratched up by no blue. You to, to scratch a Blu-ray, you need to like hit. It needs to be hit with like blunt force. And and similarly to the uh, to the Zatoichi set, you know, we've got you know three movies on a disc, and that's also fine with Blu-ray. Like it's. There, there is a little compression compared to something that's completely lossless. But given the transfers that they have to work with, it's just not, not a big. Yeah, deal. I, any compression issues on, say, like one of the two or three discs or two or three movie discs, like I would think they're minor. And, and I mean, the real issue that you're going to be looking at is probably the Toho transfer. Like, I'm not saying it's yeah. not going to be there, but if it is, it's going to be a minor. Uh, a minor issue regarding um, the regarding the art was there anything were there any pieces that you guys particularly did like that were done um i like i like the uh the the Ghidorah one a lot where it's like a kind of oh, like um, the aztec style yeah, yeah i like that one the king kong vs godzilla one is cool that's arthur adams like most of his stuff is good um he can, he can draw toho kong like nobody's business He's like the only person that can make Toho Kong look kind of cool, which is like yeah. better than Toho could do. Um, <laughs> this is true. The, I like the Destroy All Monsters one. Um, That's the one for me. Yeah, Sophie Campbell's like Destroy All Monsters piece. Like I want that as like a poster, a T-shirt. Like that is just fantastic. I I like the uh, the Godzilla versus Megalon one because it makes me imagine like a anime by studio trigger of Godzilla yeah. versus megalons and then like the ones i do, they're like there's and then the rest are those are my favorites the rest are kind of okay and then like i don't really like uh the godzilla's revenge one um and i'm not too big on the godzilla versus mothra one and i don't know if that's just because like yeah someone posted the a photo of a toy that is like this is pretty clearly yeah. Like, even without that it's not a good poster yeah, so. yeah. Um, but i like most of it and like i don't have a problem with the bright colors or whatever um and like people say like oh that, why is the heisei godzilla on the cover and like that doesn't really look like a heisei godzilla it just looks like a godzilla like a godzilla that anyone can recognize kind of like the uh the old statue that got moved in japan like mm -hmm. There's a lot. There's it's mo. It's a lot of Heisei in there, but it's also a little bit of other stuff. It looks like a kind of just generic kind of catch-all design for Godzilla that anyone could recognize. Um, I will. I will say the one on the cover is definitely Heisei, just because it has the double rows of teeth, which was yeah. The thing. Um. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care about stuff like the box size or the art it's like you know i'm the presentation is fine i don't outwardly hate any of the art or anything and i think honestly i think criterion it, where they couldn't really bring it which is in the disc content uh for the movies like they as far as the packaging and the extras go they really did i think really go all out and um, so that's my I, stance on that. I don't mind the, it being the quote unquote wrong Godzilla as much um, because it's art. I remember when the initial Blu-ray came out uh, back in, in 2012 and people were complaining about it being the Godzilla from the Kiru saga in the pop up. There was there was this 
comparison where people said that it would be like putting a photo of um, Daniel Craig on a Roger Moore Bond movie. It's interesting. I actually, and I don't know how true this is, I heard that was a Toho thing where they were like, make it this one. And they were like, but why? And they're like, just do it. And I don't, again, I don't know how true that is, but the the first one um, with the art by Bill Sinkowitz, yeah. uh, the, online there was another version of that, of this um, illustration that had a different Godzilla on it. Um, yeah. I don't, do, have either of you guys seen that? Do you remember which gods? I think it looked a little bit more like the Millennium Godzilla. I don't want to speak like that's just kind of what my memory yeah, is. But I'm not sure. I'm yeah. old, but I did see it for sure. And and, and Sinkevich has done a handful of Godzilla art pieces over his career. I think he's did. Didn't he do something with Dark Horse at some point? I'm sh- probably. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the people in this have done comic stuff. I mean, Geoff Darrow who, you know, did famously Big Guy and Rusty, which is like a love letter to Japanese pop culture. Uh, yeah. The Godzilla versus Hetero piece. So. Yeah, and we've which, got Art, I mean, Art Adams and Katsu Tirada and Yeah. Yeah. I would not be surprised if, if what Kevin's, or not sorry, sorry, Kyle, what you just said is true about Toho <laughs> wanting it to be the, the Kiru. It kind of lines up with what, like, we've heard, like, some of the IDW artists say, too, about, yeah. like, how they'll be like, no, can you make Godzilla look like this version and, like, not, th- like, then having to redraw stuff and, and I, things. Well, I was about to say, like, I've I've uh, had the opportunity to meet G.F. Darrow, like, several times and, like, talk to him at length. And he's told me that, like, you know, he said that he loves drawing Godzilla. He's a big fan of of the of the of you know the franchise but he says you know toho is a pain to work with because like you know they make these random arbitrary things like you know he would do a cover for idw and then he had to send it off to get approval and it would come back and they would be like uh change godzilla's nose yeah and he'd just be <laughs> like what to what you know so <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, the set, I'm glad I have the set. The silver lining is most, if not all of these, um, are going to be an upgrade from the DVDs. I think at least the, at least in terms of the classic media stuff, I think you are going to be upgrading. Um, and uh, it's, it's the best these are probably going to look on Western home video. Um, and so because of that, I think it's worth taking the plunge. I mean, physical media is becoming more and more of a collector only thing. And the, the next version of these that we're going to see is probably going to be Toho's 4Ks. But since they're taking so long with it, who even knows when we're going to get those? And when we do, they're going to release them. We don't know that anyone here will. I would kind of doubt it. Uh, and you know, I think uh, and, the and price point, do... I think, is fair. The packaging is good. The extras are good. There's a, I, it's I'm I'm leaning into you know saying like my very fair rating for this box set is going to be about a three point five uh, out of if I were have to, to have to do it out of five, and that's good. It's above average if I'm giving it that, and I think that the price point is good, especially now with the sale that's going on, and just the fact that. Even if the transfers aren't great, a lot of them are going to be better than the DVDs you have. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, unfortunate, it sucks that you have to rely on fan projects, but there are really great fan restorations of a lot of those American versions out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a very, a very fair and positive. I, I think I'm, I, that's an overall positive thing to say. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer. It's a super bummer about the transfers and the lack of the dubs, but, um, you know, I'm still I'm happy that I have it. I'm going to enjoy it. And that's that. So I'm I'm kind of a little bit in the middle there. I'm not screaming to the heavens on either side. I, I agree with the most of what you say there. I think I still probably, you know, especially for the the those early 60s films, I might actually go back to the DVDs before I'll go to the Blu-rays on this. Uh, just because of those matting issues that we talked about. Yeah, um, yeah those are bad. Uh, but, you know, on, on the plus side, sweet special features, you know, uh, a few of them, uh, yeah, like Terror of Mechagodzilla and Godzilla Rays Again definitely will go to the Blu-ray instead of the, the DVD unless I, I'm looking for an audio commentary or have a small child that can't read. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as a collector, one, one can certainly do worse than this set. There's, there, there, there are things I, I, you know, having, having King Kong versus Godzilla in in Japanese language is, is huge. That's something that we never thought would happen. I don't think we can, we can anticipate another Western release of, you know, all, all of these movies together in one set again. I think that's a sort of phenomenal. Or if, or if at all, honestly. Yeah, and all of the people who are saying like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to like the Criterion Heisei box set," I just sort of chuckle at them because. Well, there's reasons for that. I mean, first of all, Sony. I feel like even when the rights are up. I think I feel like Sony is going to hold on to that. I feel like they do a good enough job with those. I still see those when I go to stores and considering the fact that stores have like 12 DVD and Blu-rays now, like they must be selling decently enough. And then also like, I don't know. I, I think that maybe I'm getting weird here, but I don't know that those movies are kind of old enough to build the cultural relevance that these movies have. Like, no, when you they, they... hear, I mean, like, there's very famous filmmakers now that grew up watching these, you know, Tim Burton, Martin Scorsese, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro, like, John Carpenter, like, they watched all these and became great filmmakers who mention these movies when they talk movies. But, like, the Heisei movies, like, aside from, like, Michael Doherty or something, who's just, like, a annoying rabid fanboy like like i don't know that these movies have that kind of cultural significance that fits on that mission statement i don't they did they didn't get theatrical play in the states um they frankly only came out here once the once the 98 film did so i would say the 98 film has a better chance of getting criterion treatment <laughs> than, right. than than they do so you know it's um, there's, there's this anticipate, I, I think there's a sense, uh, with fandom sometimes that they see like, oh, this company is releasing this thing that I like. And then they just associate that company with the thing that they like. And while Criterion yeah. 
has released the blob and equinox and And again those are movies that are historically like important for certain reasons yeah exactly like criterion also has been sitting on the the rights to princess from the moon for like 15 years so but but like think like i guess an easy way to explain this to someone that might not necessarily be on the same page here is like criterion put out silence of the lambs okay I am willing to bet you, like, my life savings, they're never going to put out Hannibal Rising, okay? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So that's how I would put it. Like, Silence of the Lambs, great movie, important movie, influential, like, it's a landmark film. And even, like, something like Godzilla vs. Megalon, like, that's, like, one of the most... Stateside, that's, like, one of the most famous and seen Godzilla movies. For better or worse, probably mostly worse, but it is what it is it's relevant and like i mean people, like people that's are kind of a, my say on it like uh the, i mean the, the this is the first time we've had a movie that's both in the mystery science theater and the criterion collection so that's that's a milestone <laughs> godzilla versus hetera is worth talking about because it reflects like what was going on in japanese society at that time as far as pollution you know Godzilla's Revenge, which is not necessarily a very good film, you know, still kind of speaks to the state of like the Japanese film industry and the rise of like dual income households, you know, even Godzilla versus Megalon, you know, you can talk about like the rise of television superheroes and how that affected that movie. So there's there's something to be discussed in all of those films. So, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why you have the the impetus to do these kinds of sets. So, yeah, um, I'm sort of spitballing there to go to go back to the go back to the, the original point that you guys were saying. Um, I also like the set. I mean, that's why I bought it, you know, um, you know, I I pretty much agree with everything that you already said, which is that, you know, there are there are better and worse presentations of certain films on here. I'm happy it exists for the reasons I said earlier. Um, we needed all 15 films available. Um, this is, you know, hopefully going to help people who want to become more immersed in this stuff and become fans. It'll hopefully help to make new fans. Um, you know, is it unfortunate? fortunate that this is their only avenue for for people who who aren't you know old hats at this like we are and and are coming to it for the first time is it unfortunate that this is going to be their first exposure to these like poorly matted poorly done transfers absolutely and yeah there's a very interesting parallel and and if we want to throw it in there there is a really good article from a website called nerdy pleasures where they talk about the whole phenomena of fan reconstructionists that have come about in recent years. And, um, and this is something I've written about and published about with regards to Star Wars fans. You know, there's this whole movement of Star Wars fans who are upset about the fact that right now the only versions of the Star Wars movies that are available, especially the original trilogy, um, are george lucas's special edition edits that he made um the the last version of those was circa like 2014 or something and you cannot get blu-ray copies of star wars 1977 
or The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi as they were originally shown in theaters. You can only get them where they've been changed and altered and, and redone with CGI and the sound remixed and things changed and, and altered and stuff. And this has led people to, you know, admittedly break the law, but to go and try and reclaim these movies for themselves. And the whole reason, and I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I got interested in Star Wars fan restorationists in part because and as this article from Nerdy Pleasures points out, we have this exact same thing in Godzilla fandom, as I'm sure we are all aware of. I mean, yeah. we have our own fan restorationists who have been doing this exact same kind of stuff because we know that we are probably never going to see a proper Blu-ray release of Godzilla versus The Thing. So it becomes up to us as fans to do that to make that available and again like you were saying earlier kyle like there's probably lots of people out there. there's probably people listening to this as like you know i don't care i i just want to see the japanese version of these movies and that's it i don't you know ever want to see the um you know the walter reed sterling recut of ghidra or you know the um you know even even to go into the heisei stuff right the uh the new world pictures version of godzilla 1984 or whatever you know mm -hmm. but there are people who do you know and are interested in seeing this whether it's for nostalgia whether it's for trying to pass these movies on to a future generation looping this back around to our opening conversation i mean that's for me a big part of why i think you know people who are film fans why we do what we do this is why you know you would own multiple versions of the same movie on different formats or why you would, you know, um, be involved, you know, in, uh, you know, you know, restoration, you know, attempts, whether above or, or below the table, you know, or this kind of stuff, because, you know, you, because you care, you know, so, um, you know, you care a lot. Uh, about these films i mean it's sort of the definition i think of being being a fan of these things you know and and you know you're not you're not you know and, and as as such you know you're not willing to kind of be you know held hostage by you know even even the makers of of the movies you love about you know whether or not you get to see them so and that i'm sure that sounds entitled to some people you know but i mean you know you, you make a work of art and you put it out in the world that's the reality of it so people are gonna fall in love with it so so that's the criterion set yeah so i guess uh you wanted to talk about the ultraman blu-rays right yeah exactly so so segueing uh from from the from the godzilla sets to the ultraman sets the the mill creek Ultraman franchise collection thing is is huge, and that's just potentially as like it, it's 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 on a different axis, but uh, it's it's might be the most ambitious home video release for Tokusatsu anything in the states. So it, I, it, I guess to contextualize this a little bit um, for for people, so Mill Creek is another video label um which are they are mostly associated with um low 
like low budget kind of quickie releases. Like they're the people if you've ever been in a a Walmart or something and you've seen those like big boxes where it's like 100 horror movies or something. Um, that's probably a Mill Creek set. So it's a lot of like very cheaply sourced, you know, old like public domain kind of stuff that yeah. they can like round up and they shove like, you know, 30 films onto a DVD and they look like absolute garbage and, you know, but they sell the whole thing. It's like a hundred movies for like eight bucks. So, well, um, that's, that's their bread and butter. Yes. But, uh, but they, they've come up in recent years. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the first time that I was, I was truly surprised was when they, they came out with those, with, with the Gamera trilogy on Blu-ray. And mm. that was, um, you know, very nice looking releases. Uh, there was quality control issues there. Uh, the they they were guy. very good about uh, getting on top of that, though. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Gamma 3 was, was twice uh, because the first time half the subtitles were missing and then the second time... Uh, they were like the size features. of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember but that. They, they replaced, they replaced both? them, yeah. 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 They absolutely did. So yeah, and and they put out uh, Daimajin, um also in a, in a very nice. That was a package. great set. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that for me was the first time where yeah, like I could not believe how good that Daimajin set was. That felt like I mean we're we're using Criterion as like uh, a a marker here. I mean that was close to like Criterion level what they did there. And they've done a lot of, uh, like, TV stuff, too. Like, they, I think they have, uh, like, The Shield and that 70s show. So, like, they have gone on to be... in Roseanne, I think. So they they have gone on to become, like, a real, like, like uh, label, I guess is what I would say. They're, they're also the ones, we, we've forgotten to mention, they're also the ones who put out Mothra, the original oh, yeah. 1961 right. Mothra on Blu-ray. Nice steelbook, yeah. Yeah, they did yeah. steelbook for it. Yeah, and I think the the steelbook is is relevant there because it's similar uh, to to the steelbooks that they're doing for for Ultraman, but uh, you know, there's issues, <laughs> differences there because you know Ultraman is a TV series, whereas Mothra is a movie. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, Mill Creek uh, they acquired from from uh, BCI. Uh, a lot of of that catalog when BCI went under due to the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, so they were re-releasing several of the uh, BCI Tokusatsu titles, uh, such as uh, Iron King and Super Robot Red Baron, and they put out. Uh, but yeah, one of the things that they they picked up from BCI was uh, the original Ultraman series, uh, which they. Re- released uh i think twice uh but the you know they put out a complete series dvd that was famously like five dollars or something and so i mean there there are definite problems with their initial release uh both you know not not all of the dub audio was there and that carries over from the bci release there is uh some video glitches where a mysterious cowboy movie would appear during the uh, yeah i never uh, had that <laughs> i yeah, never the, saw that well 
Yeah. Okay. I never saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's that's something that if you have the BCI release, you know, that that doesn't apply. Right. Right. Great release. It. Uh. That 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 was a thing. Uh. And a lot of compression because the whole series was put down to four discs or something like that. But. Uh. Anyway, the must have sold well for them because basically uh mill creek was interested and and has basically was it 1100 episodes of of across multiple ultraman series and and 20 movies that they have uh announced that they have the license for so uh, a sizable chunk of the franchise it's not everything as many people say like oh they've they've licensed everything like no they they haven't and Every official announcement makes it clear that they haven't licensed everything, but it's, it, the plurality is certainly uh, under their belt. And we don't know for sure all of the titles in the franchise that they've licensed, but uh, it's going to be a lot of the, the heavy hitters, I'm sure. And this is also significant because these are actual legit licenses as opposed to the first go around where they were sublicensed through UM Corporation, who uh, was sublicensing through Chio, who uh, I think we can now say officially did not have the rights to be doing this. Yeah, well, Kyle alluded to this earlier, and and not to get into a whole big spiel, which will take up a lot more time. But you know, there's there's sort of an interesting parallel to what you know, we were talking about earlier with Toho and, and Godzilla, which is that for people who don't know for like the last decade or so, Subaraya has been in a fight with this Taiwanese company, um, Thai, Thai, sorry, Thai company called Chayo, who claimed that they owned basically the rights to Ultraman when they didn't. Um, they had this bogus contract um, that was clearly fraudulent, but um, it it had a it, it's called a honko, right, Kevin? Yeah, they had a, a seal on it. What's called a honko, which in the Japanese court system carries a lot of weight, even though they are evidently very easy to forge. Um, and so there had been this protracted legal battle, and apparently Subaraya was told by multiple people. Um, in their employ uh, who worked on the U.S. side of things that if they would just take this case over to an American court, it could be over relatively quickly because uh, an American judge would take a look at this contract, see that it was full of typos, had all of these problems, not care about this honko uh, stamp or, or seal or whatever it was, and you know just throw it out and, and say, you know, Chayo does not have um, you know, the the rights to, to Ultraman, they were awarded to Subaraya. But for whatever reason, um, Subaraya was not willing to to go down that route uh, for a very long time, not willing to try and understand how that could potentially benefit them or work in their favor uh, until fairly recently, because that is what happened, right, Kevin? I mean, they took it to an American court, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily that Subaraya wasn't willing to go that route, uh, but uh, I mean they were they were fighting on on several fronts, and uh, they they had lost uh, in in some 
courts here and there, and uh, you know they, they they had to prepare their case basically. Um, uh, you you can get a much more robust history of the entire affair. Uh, there's a kaiju cast with Brad Warner where he talks about his experience, and it sounds like there there are things where like. Uh, Subaraya just had some stationery that they would just leave around the office that was pre-signed, which seems like a like a bad strategic move. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also some... a very long article on Sci-Fi Japan yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. But the the point is that that's also what makes this Mill Creek thing that they announced this year um, back uh, during the summer a really big deal because they now have the license to all of these Ultraman series, both classic and modern, and it's a hundred percent on the legit. So. Yeah. And, and that's been, uh, been one of the major challenges for releasing Ultraman stateside is that the, the most recognizable of the series and the ones that, uh, would be most known to, uh, American audiences, you know, like the original series, uh, were under this uh, this Chayo embargo, so everything from Ultra Q to Ultra Mentaro, uh, and now it's possible to have you know everything sort of under one roof. And uh, Mill Creek is uh, uh, sort of sweeping across the across the board because they have put out the original Ultra Q and Ultraman, both from 1966, but then next week they're putting out. Ultraman Orb and Ultraman G, as, as you just mentioned, which are uh, far more recent series, having, uh, I think, two years and three years old, respectively. That sounds right. Yeah. And the it seems like probably the, uh, the course of action that they're going to take is uh, sort of release an older series, release a newer series, and converge in the middle, but it's not entirely clear. We've, we've gotten sort of one leaked sheet that has a very aggressive release schedule listed on it. And it seems like they're basically sticking to it where there's going to be a release every month. Uh, so I'd be curious to see, first of all, how well the quality control can hold up to this sort of quick release cycle. Uh, because one of the problems that we've seen with stuff like when Crunchyroll was getting these big, like they'd get a whole series in one go, uh, or Toku, like the subtitles would be really substandard because yeah. they'd just be whatever. And I guess they, they, I guess would are proof, proofing the the subs, but it's like, yeah, I, I mean, you need that's a lot of subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> to go through. Uh, but then I'm I'm curious to see how well, uh, you know, from what I've heard, Ultra Q and Ultraman sold very well. Uh, but can fandom sustain that, or, or is are they going to have a, a sharp drop off in in motivation? As yeah, you know, said, drop off in motivation and budget. Uh, I, but yeah. I mean, those are two very real things that I think are going to be threatening this. Uh, this plan here, and they have a streaming service. I could see them just dumping it on there, eventually. Yeah, and I, I think you know we're making a big deal about these physical media releases, but I think the streaming service is what is in their mind the the primary end game here is that they're going to be putting these things on Movie Spree and on Amazon Prime. 
uh, and you know whatever is on Blu-ray is, is essentially gravy to them. But they seem to be doing justice to the releases that they've put out on on Blu-ray thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ultra Q looks fantastic. Uh, you know, it's they they don't have everything potentially available. It's not like the you know final edition. They don't have anything in terms of special features. Uh, it's only in black and white. They don't have the colorized version, and they they don't have the the English dub uh, as as fantastic as that would be to uh, to experience. But um, I really like that dub too. But you know, just just in terms of like a solid presentation of the the show, like it it looks great on on Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, Ultraman is is a little bit more rough around the edges, and I think that that's similar to what we uh, <laughs> we we talked about earlier that. You know, Ultraman is the, the the go-to thing that it was one of the probably the one of the first things that they that Tsuburaya went back and mastered for Blu-ray, and they probably didn't know exactly what they were doing when they did it, and as a result, it looks a little a little rough around the edges. It looks a lot better than the Blu-ray did, but uh, it's it's not as fantastic as it potentially could look. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, oh, it's because it's on 16 millimeter." I, I, I don't no. think that that's the no. difference. I mean, <laughs> it, the, to to an extent, yeah, 35 millimeter for for Ultra Q is going to look better than Ultraman being 16 millimeter. But there's plenty of stuff that looks good on 16 millimeter. Uh, right, well, yeah, I, six. I mean, I, there's eight millimeter things that you can see that look gorgeous, like if the transfer is good and. Uh, Saying that Ultra Q looks better than Ultraman because it's on uh, 35mm and not 16 is uh, crazy. Because, well, first of all, on that Ultraman release, like, some episodes do look better than others. So it's not a matter of the, the, the format that it was filmed on. And again, I mean, like, there's a lot of great movies that have been shot on 16 millimeter, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I mean, that movie was shot on 16. I have that on Blu-ray. It looks amazing. Like, it, no, <laughs> that's just not it. Very plainly, that's not it. And the, and the issues on the Ultraman transfer are things like a lot of uh, DNR, digital noise reduction, and, and so, you know, certain times people look a little like waxier i guess than they should like it's it's uh an issue with the transfer and like the digital stuff that was done to it it's not an issue of how it was filmed i mean at at the end of the day i think i will go back to to watch it on blu-ray more than i'll you know ever go back to any of the uh the previous formats and frankly yeah. i I'm Some keeping of... the I'm pe- I'm keeping my DVDs because I do want the dub. I like yeah. the dub. I don't know that it's always what I'm going to watch, but yeah. And at least this dub is, you know, while it's it's again we have a case of not getting the dub. It's not the same situation that we had with Toho. This is literally just a case of Subaraya scatterbrained and doesn't have all of their elements lying around. Yeah. So. Um, or, I mean, if you listen to that Kaiju cast interview with Brad Warner, they have some of them, like, stored in a bathroom in a sink or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, apparently he was told to throw away some masters and 
<laughs> sounds uh, like like not a good time. <laughs> they they have mentioned that uh, Ultra Q Dark Fantasy is not among the stuff that they were able to license. Yep, because it was a um, co-production. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that probably Ultra Q the movie would be in a similar boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, uh, the what's the Hanna Barbera cartoon maybe? Yeah, that's that's one that might be in an interesting sort of limbo like that. Same deal with like the Ultraman Great and uh, Ultraman the Ultimate Hero. Those could also be in, you know, depending on the the studios that they worked with in uh, the U.S. and in Australia. Um, I mean, definitely, definitely the two movies that they made with Chayo, I think, have stricken from the record forever. <laughs> Keith Aiken has said that they have the the rights to uh, to Ultraman Jonius. So uh, all of the people are saying, oh, they, they they license all of the live action stuff. Like, no, there's no basis in that. They, sounds like they they have at least one of the anime. So we'll see if there's other ones. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is very exciting. I'm a huge Ultraman fan. I don't know how I'm going to find time to like watch everything again. I, who knows? (laughs) It's yeah. I, I don't know how that's like to get through one ultra series. It takes me like forever. (laughs) So I don't know. And, and, and you still haven't gotten to like most of the like fifty episode ones, right? I know, and yeah, I I I need to like my thing is like I'm gonna have to whatever the next one I watch is like from start to finish. I'm gonna need to pace myself because as much as I enjoy the shows, if I try to binge them, I get bored really easily. So I need to like I need to stagger my viewing more, especially with those longer seasons that are like fifty episodes. I I I, can, I feel you on that, Kyle. I can binge. I have a hard time binging Ultraman, even though I do like the show and I do enjoy it a whole lot. Um, I wrote about it after all, but um, I I find it much easier to binge um, uh, Toei shows, uh, Super Sentai in particular. So um, yeah, and I, I I think that's because there's a modicum more character development there than there is in Ultraman, but. Bottom line is we are getting a lot of stuff out right now, so the Ultraman alone will keep us uh, keep us busy for years to come, I imagine. Yeah, and and the the you know moral of the story is probably you know if it's something that you really care about, you should buy it. Yep. Yep. Because then ain't nobody taking it away. So unless you know. You gotta like buy food or something. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, this has been a ridiculously long discussion. So I think we'll <laughs> put a put a cork in it and uh, uh, get the uh, talk to everyone later. It's late at night. I don't think I can form coherent <laughs> <things> anymore. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.